Hello and welcome back to the first Canadian Football Podcast. I am your host, Mike Schwan. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Schwan CFL or on Instagram at Mike Schwan. Carter Kennington. I completely yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's a different order now. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, because Taylor's uh, Taylor's taking a leave of absence of this week. So yeah, I'm Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington and on Twitter at CJK underscore Carter. And as Carter mentioned, Taylor is not with us. However, our lovely editor Brandon decided to join us for this episode. So introducing our editor Brandon, I'll let him plug his stuff, and then we'll get on with it. Yeah, my name's Brandon. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at. B Stewart two three one zero. Nice. And then also follow the show. Don't forget to follow our socials at True North CF Pod on Instagram and Twitter and like our Facebook page at True North in Football Podcast. And also listen to the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So run through the news real quick here. Orland signed uh OG fan of the show, Drew Desjardins. Um, Elks traded David Beard to the Ticats for Jesse Gibbon and a pick. Elks signed Jeff Richards. Bombers signed NFL DB JT Hassel. Um, Ottawa Redblacks bring back Brandon Dandridge after a stinted L. Simon Frazier has changed the school's team names uh, from the Clan to the Red Leagues. Orlando Steinauer uh, said that Ticats starter yesterday, Jamie Newman, showed flashes, but was not good enough. Then the New York Jets added former CFLer Deontay Spencer to the practice roster. There was a lot of um, cuts and then adds to rosters um, for NFL guys, so want to check that out. Three Down has them all listed. There's a lot of them. and. I know we keep it PG, but I think we're all happy about this. Riders released Garrett Marino. Oh, good on them. Uh, not sure if you guys as Bomber fans have anything to say, but again, keep it PG. No, it's just he's been doing some bad stuff, and people have been sort of calling for this for a while. I'm going to kind of keep my head on straight for this one, but yeah. He um he shouldn't have been in the league for as long as he was. Yeah, after the cheap shot on Claire, it was like, I don't know. Like, it wasn't that bad of a cheap shot, to be honest. Like, I've seen worse, but the fact it's, that it's, after everything he's look, done before. Yeah, you look at his track like, record and it's not. He's obviously not learning. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so I'm glad he's gone. And let's get into our game recaps here. So for our first one, Ottawa beat Montreal 38-24. to so, my first question is, is Trevor Harris having a similar issue to Dane Evans, whereas, you know, they were kind of competing with the spot with someone else, and they were doing well in that time frame, but once that competition leaves, they kind of regress a bit. Do you think that's an issue with Trevor Harris? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Like, what, because how was he the week before this as well? Question. Oh well, he was I'm on the line. Sure so that's not helpful. Well. Yeah, I thought he did. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, three touchdowns, one interception, almost 400 yards. So yeah, he balled out. Yeah, and so it's just like, 
I mean, after the, I don't know if like the backup leaving specifically has something to do with it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that his issue is similar to Dane Evans, especially because you look back at the beginning of the year, you saw the flashes of how good Ottawa could be. So like the fact that they're just putting the pieces together now and it happened to be against Montreal, I don't think this is a case of Montreal losing this game. I think Ottawa did their part to win this game. Yeah, like, Harris threw for 256 yards, two touchdowns. Like, he had two interceptions, but those are very good numbers still. Like, he threw, twenty, like, a 75.9% percentage. So, like, he didn't have a terrible game. He just, obviously, threw those two interceptions against a team with a, with a decent back. That's fair enough. Um... Yeah, I don't think it's the same issue with Harris. Harris sometimes is streaky. Kind of been known for that throughout his career. He'll he'll get red hot, and then he'll have a little bit of a slump, and then he'll go back to being good again. So I don't really think it's the same issue as it was with Dane. Kind of what's going on there. And then how long can Nick Arbuckle keep this up? Because he's looking good right now. Um. I mean, I think he can keep it up as long as uh, as long as the team is just like I don't know. I think he needs a little bit of help from the rest of the team. Like it's not gonna be like a one man gang situation because like what one touchdown and no interceptions. Like this is not a team that's going to be willed to success by their quarterback. But like, um, what's nice about that is that I could see this team being very sustainable and winning a lot of games as we come down the stretch and potentially being in that fight where are they in the east they're in third right now and they're only three games back they could potentially win the east yeah like if you look at his numbers really his only problem is is that he throws interceptions like first game of the season 254 yards second game 315 third 226 like he's throwing for the yards that you need him to throw he's just throwing interceptions like and instead of touchdowns that's really his big problem and we didn't really see that this week, so maybe it's an upside of that he's kind of learning where to put the ball. Fair enough. Um, with Nick Arbuckle, I've I've gone back and forth on him. Uh, at times, he's looked like the truth, and then he'll have an absolute dumpster fire of a game or two. Get so, honestly, no clue how to evaluate Nick Arbuckle at this point. He's really well right now. Who I think he keeps it up. I think he keeps it up for at least two more games. I'm gonna say two more games, then we might see a bit of a struggle. But if he if he can keep this going, good for him. Hopefully he can. And in the Labor Day Classic, oh, that's been a Ryder fan. I got two Bomber fans with. So, um, hey man, it it happens. I guess so. I get stuck for both teams. Yeah, this this was a frustrating one as a Ryder fan, but I mean, there's some things here that guys aren't. Um, Winnipeg narrowly beat Saskatchewan, twenty to eighteen, and we're gonna address the elephant in the room right away. Um, what the hell was that play call by Saskatchewan where you're well within field goal range, you have to kill the clock, and you throw a pass. Call a passing play and it gets intercepted there. So, what the heck was that play call? 
think it's just Saskatchewan's trying to be too unpredictable. Like, I think, like, I don't know what, uh, like, I don't know why that decision was made for the pass there. Um, because like you sit there and it's like you when you tempt the fates, bad things are gonna happen. Just ask the Seahawks in the uh, in whatever Super Bowl that was, you know. It's like I I really don't get what they were trying to accomplish with that. Um, you're two minutes, you're down by two, and like at the like probably what ends up happening is you give the Bombers the ball back with like a minute to go, and and they have the lead, right? If they don't, if they just run the ball there, right? So I, I yeah I have no idea what they were thinking. Yeah, like, I correct me if I'm wrong, but was that not like a hurry up offense when they called that play? Like, wouldn't that have been a play call from Bajardo in that moment? Like, I don't know, maybe it did come from Moss. I have no idea. That would be a Moss call, I think. They they wouldn't hurry up. I don't. Moss yeah. or like Fajardo has been very vocal about not enjoying like doing those passing plays when he doesn't need to. Oh yeah. Like like I I remember one time I think he was playing Edmonton and he had to um it was like um they were going for um it was like they had about 40 seconds left in the game and it was like third and four and they were like about 30 yards out from the end zone and for some reason Fajardo took a shot at the end zone and it didn't work and he was not happy with that play call. Yeah. yeah like you even with like how they threw like if you're going for a passing play why aren't you passing to the end zone? Why are you throwing like almost a check down in that situation? That's what makes no sense to me. Yeah, for sure. Cause you could have got the same kind of amount of yards probably if you ran it you know, as well. And yeah. Yeah. Like, exp- like I can understand you throwing it like for a shot at the end zone, because then you're going up by over a field goal. Cause that like, that would guarantee you needing it, the bombers needing at least a touchdown. But the fact that you're throwing like, a nine-yard pass. It looked like, like I don't. Yeah, like it's so much sense. risk when you might as well, like, because when you're throwing the ball, you might as well go for the end zone there. Exactly. Yeah. Like you got, make it a pass that's not interceptable. Especially because you got a lot of your receivers back now. Like, uh, Aaron Moore came back the week before. Shaq Evans came back this week, and Braden Lenius also came back. So it's like, why not use Shaq? as a deep threat take a shot at the end zone if it doesn't work okay just pound the ground and take a field goal yeah exactly and like you can also kind of say like it was a a, not a very good pass oh no and not a very good play by the receiver either yeah like there was really nobody played their part on that because i think even fajardo got pressured in that yeah because Cody got pressured he threw it above hickson and hickson got his hand on it but he ended up tipping it so, yeah, like the whole team collapsed. Yeah, it was just not a good, not a good play call, and it wasn't good execution either. It's kind of my thoughts on that. And yeah, it's I don't know. It could be Moss just in his own head trying to outthink everybody, and I'm worse. And then was discipline the killer for Saskatchewan in this game, especially the Duke penalty when he isn't even dressed. And yeah yeah i mean i feel like this plays the biggest role right because they have 99 penalty yards and this has been an issue with saskatchewan for so long like it's just every time it seems like saskatchewan is on the right track something happens where it's not even like yeah it's not a holding penalty 
it's like a weird one that you don't see too often, like a guy on the bench getting involved or an offensive pass interference. Like it's stuff like that. And it's just like, I I don't get how this has gone on for this long. And it's like, you got to look at the coach at this point because it's like, it's clear that he's allowing it to go on. Yeah. Like one thing I like, to be honest, like not try, like I'm not, I'm trying not to be biased when I'm looking at all this. Like the Duke penalty didn't really look that bad to me for like the penalty that That's was called. True. That's true. I wasn't. I I thought they were just kind of getting into it, like sort of shit talking each other. Yeah. Yeah. I and if that was the case, then I don't see an issue with that. Yeah. There really, was no like contact a, or anything. Yeah. I guess something. I guess the ref probably heard something that yeah. was a bit over the line. That's what I'm assuming too. And I, and I'm sure I'm sure that um I'm sure that if he was addressed, he probably got a he would have probably gotten a little more slack. But it's like. When you're not yeah. involved in the game, you shouldn't be really trying to get into it with players, you know? Yeah, 100%. So I think that's what did it. And, I, like, another thing, too, is, like, the refing in that game was so strict. Like, even the oh, Bombers, God, yeah. who are a very disciplined team, had 40 yards worth of penalties, which is, like, not very common for the Bombers. So it was, like, it was a very... I think they were trying to. Uh, I think they were trying to make sure that last year's situation in Winnipeg yeah. didn't happen again. Well, when you don't have Mister Anabolic on the team, I think. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Eesh. I don't know, man. It's it's oh, rough man. right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do. Riders discipline. Yeah, I don't think the coach is coming down on these guys hard enough. Definitely costing people their jobs. We saw Ty Rogers get released earlier, and now Marino. So, I mean, you could say, yeah, they're weeding out these bad actors, but at the same time, you should have somebody put them in their place, right? And the way Dickinson has approached this is he's kind of, I mentioned this earlier, he uses the disappointed dad approach, where it's like, you can tell he's disappointed, but he's not getting mad at him. And mm-hmm. that does work some situations with certain groups of people, but obviously it's not working with this group of guys. Clearly mm. not. The veterans aren't stepping up and tuning guys in. So for me, I would say, you know, Gather needs to have, like, Moss be his number two, and we know Moss can definitely lead guys, so maybe you have him fill that role as, like, me and bring the discipline on these guys, but Otherwise, yeah, it's it's an ongoing issue. Um, hopefully, as a Ryder fan, maybe them releasing some of these guys gets other guys to kind of shut up. But I guess we'll see. Yeah. Well, another thing too with their penalties is, a, I think thirty yards of their penalties were procedure and offside penalties. Oh, I'm which, sure it is. Which after that, that's only sixty nine yards with the penalties, which is. Still above average, but still a lot better than better. 99. Especially because this O-line's all... All the guards yeah. are young guys. Erlen's yeah. young. Bandy. Um, Bandy is just learning to play center. And then Evan Johnson's a little bit older, but I mean, you know. Average veteran. Um, boss is in there. St. John was in there. And Lauderdale's also a young guy, so... Yeah. Yeah. I, I can forgive them a little bit for that, but not too much. And then, yeah, Duke. But yeah, back to Duke, I guess. Um, that was just a dumb penalty. Um, 
I don't think they're gonna release him. Some people are calling for them to release Duke Williams. I mean, he's still a very good receiver. So not quite there yet. And it's not but... like it's not like his situation's gonna happen again because Craig Dickinson has said that undressed players are not gonna be allowed to be on the sidelines anymore. That's a good idea. I mean, that does suck, but I mean, hey, you know, to be taking dumb penalties. Yeah, we're gonna take that away from you. So and they well pushed them out of field goal range in a game that they lost by two. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm gonna mention this because the Riders do have a 14 and three record on Labor Day. Does winning this game give Winnipeg more confidence going into the Banjo Bowl, or does it make it any easier for them? Kind of beating them already and then coming home. Um, I don't know if it gives them necessarily more confidence. I don't know if this team is really lacking in that department. Like, you know, I don't think that's something that's going to really affect them. If there's something that's um that Winnipeg has been able to do really well, it's to be able to like cup, uh, compartmentalize the last week and just sort of put it away regardless of like a win or loss and just keep your head down for the next game. Um, I think it'll make it easier for them a little bit because they were able to sort of get an inkling of like, okay, what's going to give us success against this team. But like, I don't think it's going to be any mindset switch for them. I think the one player that is getting the most confidence out of this is probably like you. Yeah. Like to actually hit a decent field goal, which like almost never happens when he plays no shots at him but like he's still a new kicker like he's still learning but to kick a 55 yarder in one of the biggest games of the season in front of one of the loudest crowds Mm. is a huge confidence booster and i'm hoping that we kick a lot more field goals coming in the future for sure it's nice when you see that he can so it's like if we're ever in that situation again we can sort of see it and it's like oh okay well it's like he was able to do it before, so it's not unbelievable to see him go out there, even if he does miss. Because, like, once you reach 50 yards, it's really hard to, like, unless you absolutely shank the kick, it's really hard to blame a kicker for missing from, like, 50-plus. Yeah. Like, I'll say, like, when I saw the field goal unit come out, I walked away from my TV mad because I was like, you're given the rider's field position. Ooh. But he nailed it, so he made me eat my words. Fair enough. Um, and I don't know. Um, I wouldn't say more more confidence. That's why I kind of had two ways to ask this question because it's like this is already a really good. But I think it does make it easier for them being like, "Hey, we beat them in their building. Now they're coming to our house and have to kind of overcome that." And I, as a Rider fan, personally don't think they will, but. I mean, it is kind of the bangeable. Weird stuff does happen, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, I would say it does make it a little bit easier knowing you beat a team at home and they're coming to your house in a doubleheader. I think that definitely. So let's get to the next game here. Uh, Toronto. This is kind of a bit of a blowout. Uh, Toronto beat Hamilton twenty-eight to eight. So. First and foremost, let's talk about Hamilton's quarterback this game. What were your thoughts on Newman? Um, I mean, let me go quickly and flip over and check this out. Just because I want to be able to back up what I say, right? Yeah. Uh, 
box score go to Newman. Um, I mean, not great, right? You look at the box score, and he's 14 for 25, 56%, 170 yards, which isn't terrible, but, like, not going to cut it for a passing league, plus only one, like, one interception, no touchdowns. Um, not what you're going to be wanting to see. And it's just, like, to not be able to put a touchdown on the board is not a good look for Hamilton, especially, like, what, this is game four of, yeah. like, playing them? And you're not able to put a touchdown on the board? So that's, I guess, I don't know if that's indicative on Newman or if that's indicative on the rest of the team, but, uh, yeah, not the not the coming out party that we'd want to see for him. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a reason why he got pulled. So, like, he's not terrible. Like, I'd say he's he did better than Arbuckle's been recently. Or not Arbuckle, sorry, Dane Evans has been recently. But he's still not the quarterback Hamilton needs to win games. For sure. And for yeah, like there were there were parts that he looked okay in, but like that throw to Tim White was pretty nice near the end of the game. But yeah, he's I don't think he's your guy uh right now, obviously, just because yeah, they they got their butts kicked in this game, but I mean I think he's a guy worth keeping around seeing what he can grow into. And then how much trouble is Hamilton in uh, with Schiltz still being out with injury? I think that they're, uh, I think they're in a bad place. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think everybody was kind of like, Schiltz is finally taking that step. He's going from like the backup to like a guy that you could see leading a team down the stretch, and then he just immediately gets hurt. So, yeah, if I, if I just... It looked like they possibly had another Dane Evans, but then that immediately just got clipped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I'm looking at Hamilton's opponents for the rest of the season, and they honestly probably, like, I can see them not winning a game for the rest of the season. Like, they play, so they have a bye, then they play Winnipeg, then they play Montreal, then they play then they're on a bye, sorry. And then they play Saskatchewan. And then they play Calgary. Then they play Ottawa. Then they play Ottawa again. So it's, it's like... Just, I think it's just because none of us rate Hamilton at all. So it's like every game looks like it's scary. But then again, like, do you really see Hamilton... Unless Winnipeg's resting starters at the, like... At the end of the year, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't see them beating Winnipeg. I don't see them beating a Saskatchewan no, team like, that's neither, fighting neither for a playoff spot. No. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, it's like, it's hard for us to, like, look at them where it's like, they're in a ton of trouble when all of us have kind of already written them off. Like, we feel like it's just almost piling on. But, like, that being said, it's like, yeah, it's like, we, we all feel, it's like, yeah, Hamilton's kind of, like, in a bit too deep at this point for this season. Yeah, like, especially if Schultz doesn't come back, like... They don't have a quarterback, and there's no point in trading for one. They just mm-hmm. got to, and like, they're lucky because they've got an off season with a bunch of quarterbacks coming in as free agents. But for this season, I think you just, I think you just write it off and play some new guys. For sure. Um. Yeah, I don't mind seeing because they got another uh, young quarterback, so I don't mind seeing him kind of next week or whenever they play next, kind of rotating them. Until Shields is back, because you know we have in Dane Evans, 
and you know he so I wouldn't mind seeing the young guys for a week or two. Uh, do you know how long Dane Evans is under contract for? Like, is he on a one year or is it? I'm not sure. I think it's one more year. I could look. Because honestly, like, depending how much he's making, I think you've got to move Evans. Because I don't see him being a starting quarterback. I don't even see him being a decent backup quarterback. And I think he just takes up a roster spot right now on our team. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's signed till 2023. Okay, so he's got next season then. Yep. Or he's done next season. Yeah. Okay. There we go. That's the... There we go that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be... But, and then... What went wrong for Hamilton in the second half? Because Carter mentioned this game was tied, but in true Hamilton fashion, they offed it up and took an L. Yeah, literally everything went wrong in the fourth quarter. Like, 17 to nothing in terms of fourth quarter scoring. Like, that is unbelievable. I want to go back and see, like, I don't know when those picks were thrown by... um by McLeod Bethel Thompson, oh, but like man, I feel okay. like they'd probably have been in the fourth, but just like, yeah, really, really sad, or not even, wait, what am I saying McLeod Bethel Thompson for? I just fully flipped the teams. Axe that. Uh, anyway, um, but no, taking a look at like Jamie Newman's pick and all that, and like Jalen Morton comes out and throws two for six with a pick, and it's just like, everything went wrong for Hamilton looking at the team just like none of them necessarily stand out too much like none of the stat lines are really interesting to look at um and that's like the only person the only person of note from Hamilton this past game was uh Jovan Santos Knox that was it yeah yeah looking at like some stats right now so in the first half Hamilton are a plus 38 in scoring and in after halftime, they're a negative ninety-seven. So it's not like it was like just that. this game. Like this is a whole season of them having garbage second halves. They're being outscored ninety-nine to one ninety-six after halftime. Yeah, this is a continuing trend for Hamilton. They they lose a lot of games, and I don't know if they're just not making adjustments at halftime or what the deal is. But yeah, it's definitely a rough situation. Like they're averaging nineteen point six points against in half times after halftime. Like that's crazy. I don't think the bombers are even averaging that in like their games. Like full games. Yeah. I don't know, it's rough. Yeah, the choke artist this year. Um I don't know, it's just there isn't much more to say about that, I guess. Just because it's it's a continuing pattern. Let's jump into the next game here. Calgary defeated Edmonton in Battle of Alberta Part 1, 26-18. And then, how was Edmonton able keeping this game, uh, or keep this game relatively close? Yeah, like, looking at this game for Edmonton, um, I was unfortunately not able to catch all of it. 
but it's just I feel like Edmonton is like I feel like Taylor Cornelius is finally starting to like settle in and be the guy that Edmonton needs him to be. Like you look at it, it's like sixty six percent completion, two hundred and fifty seven yards. The the thing that really pops out to me though is the two touchdowns to no picks. He had a better night than Jake Mayer did, and everybody was freaking out about Jake Mayer a week ago. And I don't see really any of that for Taylor Cornelius this uh, after this week. So I just want to say that he had a baller week, even though his team did not come out with the dub. Um, but no, I think they were able to just keep it close because their offense is finally starting to click a little more. Um, some of the guys that we forgot about or well, didn't forget about, but just sort of thought that we were washed are starting to uh, get back at that uh, level that they were at before. Yeah, like, I think out of everything from this game, like, yes, Calgary won, but I think Edmonton fans should start, like, getting some, like, happiness out of this team because they played a very good game against a very good team. Like, they lost, but they played very well. For sure. This is definitely a moral victory for Edmonton, but, I mean, you know, moral victories only count for so much. So, but, I mean, hey, uh, you can't take solace in that. It depends how, what your expectations were for Edmonton, I guess, because we're like, hey, this, so this isn't going to be a great year for us, and you know, you're okay with moral victory. You expected them, and yeah, that's not happening. Hmm. And then, any concern with Mayor's poor play in the first half? Um, I feel like it was just a little bit of a stumble. Um, I wouldn't be too, too worried about it, to be honest. And I mean, at the end of the day, you were able to get the win, which is exactly what you have to do when you're at Labor Day, because, you know, stats do kind of go out the window a little bit for Labor Day. So for, uh, for mayor to be able to, uh, to do that and to, um, stay on target and be able to take down the Edmonton Elks, I wouldn't be too concerned, at least not yet. Yeah, like he's a he's a newer quarterback, so and like what, this is his third CFL start? I think it's like his fifth, yeah. Yeah, like he's he's got so much to like grow into, like I don't think we can look at this one half and like be like, Oh my goodness. Like he still played a very good game. He still won the game for them, which honestly I don't know if Bo Levi Mitchell does. Like he threw an interception, sure. Bo probably would have thrown two three like i think mayor played a very good game for his experience and for the situation fair enough um ah sorry about mayor's uh i mean yeah he's a young guy he's learning the game so i mean he's not perfect fine just good thing it's against a team like Emmett. Not a team like Winnipeg, where but really good in that game. He's going shot, shot with them for a while, but um, yeah, he's gonna struggle at times. And you know, I think there's a lot of hype around him, so I think people are just kind of overblowing that so the hype. But don't worry, he's a young quarterback. He's trading away David Beard for center, a mistake for the Elks. Um, it was an admission of this season does not care to us, like does not matter anymore. That's what I got from that trade. 
that trade basically told me that they are building for the future. They do not care about this season. If you're an Edmonton Elks fan, you might as well stop watching. They do not care about this year. That's what I got from it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can say that in any other league, but in the CFL, you're not getting draft picks to draft the next greatest quarterback or the next greatest receiver. So in reality, you're trading a 29-year-old offensive lineman who's very good for a, like, one in a hundred chance of getting an amazing player in the draft. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, I think it was definitely a mistake they traded him just because there are a lot of poor snaps in this game. And, I mean, Jesse Gibbon is fine, but not as good as Beard. Yeah, you're getting the second round pick. Probably, like, a decent O-lineman if you draft correctly. My opinion is, yeah, that's a like I'd understand it if he was like mid thirties, but the guy's twenty nine years old. Like you're not yeah. trading an old guy for a pick; you're trading a guy that's like in the age where you're in your prime. Exactly. Yeah, for me, uh, not a huge fan of that. Um, no, Elks definitely aren't a fan of that either. So, on to our power rankings. So, for me, I've got Winnipeg first. Calgary second, Toronto third, Saskin fourth, Ottawa fifth, BC in sixth, um, Montreal seventh, Edmonton eighth, and Hamilton is definitely in the base. Yeah, for myself, I've got Winnipeg one, Calgary two, Toronto three, Saskatchewan four, Ottawa five. This is like the only switch that we have. I have Montreal in, uh, I have Montreal in 6th, BC in 7th, and then I have Edmonton 8th and Hamilton in ninth. Yeah, I've got Winnipeg in 1st, Calgary in 2nd, Toronto in 3rd, Sask in 4th, Ottawa 5th, Montreal 6th, BC 7th, uh, Edmonton 8th, the Schooners ninth, and Hamilton 10th. Enough. Enough. I know the Schooners aren't here yet, but I mean, I'm sure... They've got a better record. Yeah, fair enough. Exactly. <laughs> and then CFL Fantasy. Uh, let's go best positional options. So at quarterback, I've got Jake Mayer, Trevor Harris, and Nick Arbuckle. Or anyone else you're considering making a quarterback this Um, Let me double check who I've got. Yeah, no, I'm rolling with the mayor of Calgary, so... I think those are the smart choices for this week. Yeah, like any other week, you could say, like, maybe Caleros, maybe Fajardo, but I think with them facing off, like, it's such it's going to be cl- such a close game with probably some turnovers that you really can't pick any one of those two this week. Exactly. So that's kind of my three. And then running back, we've got a lot of running back options this week. So Kadeem Carey, AJ Olette. Nixon, Devontae Williams, and Evan Brown. Anybody else that you would consider this week? Um, yeah, not really. I mean, like, I, my duo is, uh, my duo for this week is going to be Kerry and Hickson. So, I'm excited to see what they can do. Hopefully, Hickson is given a little bit more liberty with the ball, like, or just a little bit more time with the ball, I guess. Because it was a bit of a shame to see him get less and less time as the game went on with uh, running the ball. But 
yeah, hopefully he's able to get it done. Yeah, with Hickson's price, you really can't go wrong. I'd say the only concerning part with picking Hickson right now is that he had a big game against the Bombers, and like going back into Winnipeg against the Bombers, probably something they're going to look at in practice and in film a little bit. So there might be more countering to the run game in Saskatchewan. But again, like with him being one of the cheapest starting running backs, you can't go wrong. Oh, 100%. And receivers, I have a very small amount of receivers. Um, Acklin, Blake Henry, Ambles, and Evans. Anybody else uh, you guys would consider? Um, for my wide receiving crew this week, I am actually, uh, I don't know if I'm on that list at all. Athen Henry Imbles Evans. I am, uh, I've got a weird one in here. So I got two that make a little bit more sense. So I'm going Schoen and Schaefer Baker, right? All right. But then I think, I think, and this might, this might bite me. I've been liking what I've been seeing from Darrell Walker every now and then. He's had flashes of some pretty good performances. So I think at that price point, it's not a terrible get. So I'm going with Darrell Walker as my flex. Yeah, like, I never really like picking players after have them having one big game. But Brandon Banks for 6000 like, after his last game where he tore up uh, um, when he tore up the, um, sorry, who would they play again? It's skipping my mind here. Um, the Thai Cats. Yeah. Like, I think it, like, I don't know, like, for $6,000, I'm willing to take the gamble on him having another big game against a team that's struggling very bad in, in Ottawa. Fair enough. Or I guess they're not struggling too bad, sorry, but, or sorry, they're playing BC. Sorry. No, yeah. I'm looking at the wrong week. They're playing Ottawa. Yes, it's yeah. Ottawa. All good. Um, no. And then last but not least, we got defenses. Um, there aren't too many exploitable matchups this week, if being rivalry. But I opted for the Montreal defense. Uh, put an asterisk on that. It all depends who's starting. Um, O'Connor might be decent, but I don't think he's starting this game. I think it's going to be Pippins because O'Connor. They also had a bye week to rest them, so I'm not sure. About you guys, any other defenses you're considering? Uh, I'm personally not running one this week. I don't. I don't see enough of a. I don't see enough value with anybody really to justify it. Yeah, I'm not running one either. I'd say like if you really had to, maybe Calgary because they're up against Edmonton. Um, I wouldn't even really pick Montreal because I think they have the fewest. Turno, yeah, so like they've got 0.5 fumbles per game, and I think they have 0.5 interceptions per game. So, like, they don't have great numbers for getting those points on defense. For sure. Yeah, I don't know. I like the matchup. So, that's usually when you look at defense, it's hard to pick. So, I, rule of thumb, I just go with the best matchup. But, I mean, yeah, that's also true. Then, let's go to our locks. Or no, we got value picks. Sorry about that. All right, so for value picks this week, we have Tyson Philpot, Jalen Marshall, and Dylan Mitchell. Is there anybody else that you see that's under 3,500 that you take this week? 
me take a quick peek at the uh at the flex market right now. Um so 35 who did you list? I listed uh let's see. Tyson Philpot, Jalen Marshall and Dylan Mitchell. Okay, the one that I would add would be Greg McRae. Yeah, really? that's what I was going to say. Jim yeah, from McRae. the Bombers, yeah. Yeah. He didn't do anything though last week. That's um, because he had week, a big week the week before. The week before he had 12. Oh yeah, for sure. So it's it's a risky one, but he's been he's got the talent. It's just is he going to be given the ball enough? Yeah, 100%. That's fair. Let's get to our locks. Um for me, I've got Frankie Hickson. Uh, for his price and productivity he's given, I think that's a kind of a no-brainer. Um, this isn't a freaky offense like uh, Brian's had in the past. Their running backs do get steady carries. So he's a guy that the volume is there, and even though the matchup isn't great, he's still going to get his, I think. Yeah, I'm rolling with uh, Jake Mayer as my lock this week. I think that uh, he's going to get a little bit of a bounce back week um, as he goes into enemy territory. And I think he's going to be looking to uh, extend that Edmonton streak. Yeah, I'm going to go with Brandon Banks on mine just because his price point is so low for a player that I know can explode when he needs to. I mean, he had a huge game last week, so... Exactly. So, like... I know, like, I don't like picking players after them having a big week, but if there was anybody to have back-to-back big weeks, it's going to be Brandon Banks. Mm-hmm. Sure. And let's do predictions in one thing. So, for me, uh, BC versus Toronto. Um, I have BC winning this. And one thing I'm looking forward to is... I guess I can only pick one of these. So. I'm going to say quarterback play from BC. I'm curious whichever quarterback starts, how they're going to perform. Yeah, so for myself, I'm going with BC, but um, I am actually going to be more interested about what's going to be going on on the offensive side for Montreal because I do want to see if Trevor Harris is going to be able to sort of get back to what we saw before. Yeah, I'm picking Montreal with this one. Like, I don't really see BC doing that well without a decent quarterback, but I am kind of looking forward to see how far BC's going to fall and how much they're going to struggle without O'Connor, Rourke. Maybe Vernon Adams gets healthy for this game or the next week, but for this one, I'm just seeing like how they play without those main guys at quarterback. Fair enough. And next one. Oh, yeah. I've got Toronto beating Ottawa. And one thing I'm looking forward to in this game is just to see if Nick Arbuckle can continue his kind of dominance that he's had recently. Yeah, I'm I'm going with uh I'm going with Ottawa and I am really excited to see just if they're going to be able to take it to the next level again because if they're going to do it, Toronto's the team that they got to take down, specifically Toronto. Yeah, I think, like, when I'm looking at the stats from Toronto's last game, they had two interceptions against a not very good team. So I'm kind of, like, sorry, I picked Toronto to win. Um, I, I'm i just mostly looking forward to see if Toronto 
still struggles with the turnover game or if they can fix it against this week a decent team. Fair enough. And then I have Winnipeg uh, beating Saskatchewan in the Banjo Bowl. And one thing I'm looking forward to in this game is just to see if the Riders can keep this one also close. Because the, the last game was very winnable. Um, and I kind of want to see if they can you know, keep it close this game or whether they're going to get blown out in Winnipeg. Yeah, mine's a little bit more specific for this one. I am going Winnipeg, but I'm, I, I want to see if Saskatchewan's going to be able to clean up their, their penalty issues. Because if it doesn't start this game, it's not going to happen for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm going to go off the board on this one and, you know, take out my bias 100% and say Saskatchewan's winning this one. Like, Saskatchewan's a great team. I think they're more hungry for this win than the Bombers are going to be, right. especially after clinching a playoff spot. Like, the Riders are struggling to stay in a playoff spot. Like, they still got a good league for the crossover, but you don't really want a crossover at the end of the day. Sure. And then the next one, I have Calgary beating Edmonton. And one thing I am looking forward to is to see Mayer again if he kind of bounces back from his first real struggle that he's had, you know, that first half. What does he do in this game? He's dominant the whole way through. Struggle again. What kind of what happens with him? Yeah, so uh, I'm going with Calgary. And I'm just kind of excited to see both these teams are kind of trying to figure out their identity. I mean, Calgary has certainly done a better job of it in the short term, but I'm excited to see which team is sort of going to come into their own with this game because now that they've got Taylor Cornelius and Jake Mayer, it's it's really interesting how it's like this could be the rivalry going forward. It might not, you know, because it used to be the Riley-Mitchell. And it's like, is this the first, or I guess last week would have been the first of many, but like, you know, is this going to be like the start of the next big CFL rivalry in that, like just two great quarterbacks repeatedly going at each other? Yeah, I'm going to go on Edmonton on this one. Again, kind of just to go off the board, but I am also, the one thing I'm looking forward to seeing is if Edmonton plays like their season is done. Or if they still play competitively and, you know, try to beat a big team like Calgary. Sure. And then off the pod activity. So, hey, uh, uni just started up, uh, but I've got a lot of case work to do. So I've been doing lots of business cases, most because that's my major. And that's definitely taken up most of my time. That's what I've been doing about you guys. Um, for myself this past week, well, um, I officially took over my, um, the, uh, the Mix 96 radio station in Manitoba today. Nice. So, yeah, very excited about that. It's now Mix Mornings with Carter Kennington. Nice. Pretty cool. Um, between six and nine in the morning. So very excited for that. But that does also mean that I am now stuck in my waking up at 4 a.m. life (laughs) cycle right now. Oh man, that is. I'm going right to bed after we're done record. <laughs> Absolutely fair. Yeah, like I don't really do much except for work and sleep. But I guess outside of that, I've been just rewatching some TV shows, some like 
community suits the office no i met your mother all the good ones i've been trying to get into suits like I just oh, it's, it's so good when you get into it seasons three and four amazing fair enough and then yeah i haven't seen that one either I, there's a bunch of shows i still gotta watch like i haven't seen that or the office or friends definitely gotta get on that but yeah, if you made it this far into the podcast, thank you for listening, and thank you to Brandon for filling in. I know most of your work is kind of on scenes, so good to have you in front this time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't even go to sleep like Carter after this. I gotta edit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna be sending this over to you, and you're gonna be doing that. And Yeah, but you get extra hours, okay? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Fair enough. Two. Yeah. yeah. And then, once again, Follow the show at True North CF Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and our Facebook page is True North Canadian Football Podcast. You can listen to the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcast. Uh, for True North Canadian Football Podcast, I've been your host, Ron, and signing off.